Amen. And you can be seated. You know, as Brother Ed was just saying, we definitely need to be praying for our students. And when they step out to follow Christ, they step out to uh, surrender to His call of salvation. Uh, Satan's not happy. The world's not happy. And they need strength. I'm so glad y'all are here. Uh, I'm Scott Stringer. I'm the pastor here if you're visiting with us. And uh, we are, are in the very beginning of a sermon series going through the book of Romans. Not a, like a super in-depth study, uh, but a study just looking at the book of Romans and seeing what we can learn about salvation through the book of Romans. Man, I'm excited about it. And I know it's a little bit different uh, for the ones who always come. You're like... You know, I like, I know some of you, I like the spitting and the stomping and the hollering. I like that too. I mean, I like, I like it when, you know, the preacher gets up and yeah, I feel like Hulk Hogan's grabbed me, done a leg drop. Uh, you get a spiritual leg drop across, across your chest and, and you walk out of here ready to be changed uh, but there's also these times where we need to, to dig in a little bit so that we can learn about who God is, who Jesus is, what He's done for us, the weight or the weightiness of the, of the gospel, the, the weight of the consequences of sin, that, that we need to kind of marinate I was thinking about grilling today, but I, I don't know if I, I'm scared I'll set the whole world on fire. Uh, but if you're going to grill, you've got to marinate. I mean, you just you can take that steak right out the pack and put a little salt and pepper, but you know it's better if you let it marinate, let it absorb, let it soak. And sometimes we just need to do that, just soak in the Word of God so that it penetrates us and changes who we are. Last week we, we started to look at this and we, we started to look at the book of Romans and we, we saw that God had a plan and He was revealing who He was to the world, that He revealed who He was through the prophets, that He revealed who He was through the apostles, and that He revealed who He was through creation. That, that people could know and should know that there is a God and that they uh, knew, because of these revelations of God, knew there was a God, but they didn't respect Him as God. In fact, it says that they love darkness more than they love light. And, it, and in here, it talks about how God turned them over. For those who rejected Him, He turned them over to themselves. And that's a scary thought. But we also said that's a loving act of God. Sometimes we read Romans and it seems in some places harsh. But that, that one place there, I want you to think of God turning us over to our sins, the thing that we want, the thing we're going after, chasing after, is a loving God. It reminds us of the story of the prodigal son as the father gives the son all the inheritance. And the father allows him to spend it, ruin his life, ruin everything, so he can finally end up in the pig pen. And in the pig pen, he said, I can always go back to my father. But he only thought that. He only 
wanted to return when he was in the pig pen. So God turns us over to ourselves, to our sin for the destruction. Other places of Scripture says for the destruction of the body and the salvation of the soul. And so, so God is a loving God and he doesn't want us to perish. And so I don't want you to ever think that there's a God in heaven that his desire in any way is for you to spend eternity in hell. Never let that be a thought in your head. Like he's, not, he's not trying to orchestrate everything on this earth so that you will reject him. That's, his plan is that he is doing everything he can as a loving father to reach you, to, to, to chase after you, to pursue you with his love. And so here in Romans chapter uh, 2 is where we're going to start. We're going to start in this next part of Romans, and it's going to focus in on our need to be made right with God. Now, we talked about this last week. Last week we said we were born enemies of God. Not that God hates us, but we were born hating God. And so we're like, I didn't hate God. Uh, okay, we wouldn't say that because nobody would say that, especially in our culture. <laughs> if somebody asks you, you hate God, you're like, no. You know, it's, it's one of those things. It's, you don't say that out loud, but the actions tell a different story. That we were born in a place of rebellion, and we, we, it wasn't long before we proved ourselves to be liars and thieves, and it wasn't long before we proved ourselves to be very selfish. And, and we rejected the things of God, and we ran after the, the pleasures of the world, the desires of the world. We, we started to think the way that the world would think. And that if the only hope that we have is that if Jesus called us and we surrendered to his calling, he transformed our thinking. We're going to see here in the scripture, he gave us new insight and a new life. But we were born enemies of God, hating God and the things of God. We're going to see it here, okay? So in Romans 2, remember the context. We need to understand the background. So the church of Rome was having a problem. Remember the Jews were, were cast out of Rome for a while. They, they were able to go back after a while. When they went back, the church uh, didn't look like it looked when they were there. You know, the Jews at the time were kind of the leaders within the church because they had studied the Scriptures. They understood the Old Testament. They understood the, the, the law, and they were making the connections with, with Jesus. But with the, in the absence of the Jewish people, a lot of these Jewish traditions have now died off in the church of Rome, and now the Jews are coming back and like, oh, hold on, wait a minute, where, where are all these traditions that we had? And, and there was a, so it was a big argument. And the church was split. Imagine that, a church split. Yeah? They were split. They were arguing over these things. And so the book of Rome, uh, the Romans was written to confront this, to bring unity, okay? And so he's going to talk about, when we read in Romans, here in a minute, Romans 2, we're going to start in verse 12. He's going to be talking to the Jews, and he's also going to be talking to the Gentiles. And it looks like he's going to be talking to the Jews. It seems like he's directing it to them a little more. I want you to understand, probably because he's a, you know, Paul's a Jewish man. He makes that connection. And, and so, so as we read this, understand that he's bringing unity 
between these two groups with the truth. And the truth we're going to learn today is that we need, all of us, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, we all are in need of being made right with God. That we, because we were born enemies, we need to be made right with God. We talk about at the very end this, this word, we need to be reconciled to God. And that's a big word, like reconciled. Uh, the way we use it now is usually in a marriage, and it's okay, that's a good way to think about it. In a marriage, you think about a husband and a wife as, as they fight and they argue and, and, and they, they're, you know, they're at each other, and then you hear about it, they reconcile, they make their relationship right. They reconcile. And God says, I want to reconcile our relationship. I want, to, I want you, us, he wants us to be made right with him. So let's look at here, starting in verse 12. It says, some people do not know God's law when they sin. They will not be judged by the law when they die. Now, I want you to just to see that. Some people take this totally out of context. You have to keep things in context. He's not saying here people that don't ever hear the gospel won't be responsible for the gospel. He's not saying that. He's, he, he's saying, as we will find out, that there's a law that was written on people's heart that they must follow. But watch. Some people do not know God's law when they sin. They will not be judged by the law when they die. Others do not, uh, others do not know God's law when they, when they sin. They will be judged... Let me start all over again. Some people do not know God's law when they sin. They will not be judged by the law when they die. Others do know God's law when they sin. They will be judged by the law. Hearing the law does not make a person right with God. People are considered to be right with God only when they obey the law. Gentiles do not have the law. Sometimes they just naturally do what the law requires. They are a law for themselves. This is true even though they do not have the law. They show that what the law requires is written on their hearts. The way their mind judges them proves this fact. Sometimes their thoughts find them guilty. At other times, their thoughts find them not guilty. This will happen on the day God appoints Jesus Christ to judge people's secret thoughts. This is part of my good news. Man, that last part, it, it kind of cracks me up. This is part of my good news. Uh, what is it? He goes, when Jesus judges your secret thoughts, that's part of my good news. It doesn't sound good to me. <laughs> like, I know what I think. Anybody else with me? You're like, really? Amen. The secret thoughts, God's going to judge those, and so that's good news? God's going to talk about, God's going to look at every thought you've ever had about everybody. Hateful, lustful, corrupt, whatever it is. And he's going to judge it. Good news. But it really is, and we'll get to why, but it's this idea the gospel has to start here. Yeah. And, and first, so per, first Paul starts with the idea of obedience to the law versus possession of the law. Because he, he's looking at the, the Jews and the Gentiles. Gentiles just are people who aren't Jewish. And he said, Jews, you, yeah, you had the law. You had the law, but you didn't obey it. And then you had these other people over here who didn't have a law, and they did obey. And so he's saying, look, uh, um, possession of the law is not good enough. 
It's not just possession, it's obedience. And so here's what he says. We're not right with God because, of, because our doctrine is correct. We're not right with God because our doctrine is correct. Now, now this, is, this is a shocker for us here in, in this church culture we live in. Because in the church culture we live in, you know, such emphasis is placed on correct doctrine, and it should. Correct doctrine is thinking right about what the Bible says. Understanding the Scripture in the right way. That's what it's talking about, correct doctrine. But what we see here is what Paul's saying is, just because you have right doctrine doesn't mean you're right with God. And you may know these people. Like, like you may, you, have you ever met the person that knows what the Bible says, what the Bible teaches, but yet they're mean as a snake? Like the love of God's not in their heart at all? It, it's not good enough just to know. It's not good enough to have right doctrine. It's got to affect you. It's got to change you. He's saying just knowing it's not enough. And then he goes on and he said, um, um, he goes on, he says, okay, look, for those people who don't have the law, like those, these would be people that we would consider those who have never heard the gospel, who don't, they don't have access to the Bible. What about those people? Well, he said here, he says that God created us with a law within ourselves. That there's a raw law that's written on our heart. That we know the difference between right and wrong because God put that in us. God placed this law in our, and we see this because every culture has a set of laws. And those set of laws come with consequences. There's even some laws that are so grievous that if you break those laws, they deserve death. Where's that idea that, that sin equals death? Where does that come from? This this raw law that's written on the hearts of man. They may not have access to the Scripture, but they understand there's, there's sin, and sin leads to death. Most cultures, most cultures would agree that stealing is, is wrong. How do they know stealing's wrong? Because it's written on their heart. Most cultures say that murder is wrong. It's an evil thing. How do they know that? How do they know that life is given and taken by God alone? Because it's written on their heart. They know that life is something that they shouldn't take because it doesn't belong to them. That it's a rejection and rebellion against the Holy God. And so, so this law that God has given us is written on our, on our hearts. So God has this written law that the Jews have, and then He has this law that was written on the hearts of non-Jewish people, on the Gentiles, those people that were apart from the law. And He says, your conscience is proof of this law. The fact that your thoughts can cause you to feel guilty. Your conscience is a proof that there's a law that's written on your heart. And, and so... What does this tell us? He's making a point that everyone has a law of God, a law of God, written in the Old Testament, New Testament, written in the Bible, or written on our hearts, and everyone has a law of God that must be followed. That there's not one of us that doesn't have a law of God that that, that, uh, that doesn't have to be followed, that every one of us have this law written either 
on paper or on the heart. And our conscience is proof of this law. Now, here's the thing. And he's going to continue to make this case. That if there is a law written or implanted that we're all lawbreakers. That there's not one of us that hasn't broken the law that God has given us. Amen. That we're all lawless. So he's making this case that none of us, if you're Jew or if you're Gentile, there's none of us that are exempt from the law of God. And that just because you understand it correctly doesn't mean the law is your friend. So Romans chapter 2, 25 through 27. Circumcision has value if you obey the law. Let me stop right there for a minute. Circumcision. Let's just talk about it for a second. I know parents, you're like, my kid's in here. I'm not going to go in detail. Kids, go home and ask your parents what circumcision is. Um, circumcision, though, was a sign given to the Jewish people that they were his chosen people. And why was this the particular sign? Because some people wonder, why did God give them circumcision? It's such a strange thing. Because he wanted them to be a people, a, people, uh, a group that was set apart, different than the rest of the world. And he wanted them to follow him and not the lust of the flesh. And so the sign that they were going to follow him was they were going to cut away Part of the skin, the foreskin, part of the man that is responsible for the most lustful thoughts that a man may have. And that we are cutting away the desires of the flesh to follow the will of God. So now it makes sense. You're like, okay, that, that makes sense. You're like, why just the man though? Because the man, men, you're the head of the home. You're the priest of the family. So, so, so here is this circumcision. And the, the circumcision was a sign of the promises of God. And that, that's, that the people of, of Israel, the Jews, were set apart, different from, and they would follow God. But this is what he says. Circumcision has value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, it is just as if you haven't been circumcised. So if you break it, you might as well not even be circumcised, 26. And sometimes those who aren't circumcised do what the law requires. Won't God accept them as if they had been circumcised? Many are not circumcised physically, but they obey the law. They will prove that you are guilty. You are breaking the law even though you have, written the, law, you have the written law and are circumcised. He says, look, you have the written law. You... At the very first, he says, you've, you've been given this, this law. You have it. And he says, but the problem is you're a lawbreaker. Like, you know what it means. And he's saying this, that your affiliation will not make you right with God. He's saying this circumcision that is a sign that you're part of this group, 
You're part of the people of Israel. You're a Jewish people. You're part of the Jewish people. And that God had made a promise to this group of people. Your affiliation will not make you right with God. Now, this should cause some of us to shudder to our bones because we live in a place that believes that if you are affiliated with the church, that you're in right standing with God. But it's not the church that gives you right standing with God. It's not a membership card that says, I belong to so-and-so church that gives you right standing with God. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ that gives you right relationship with God. The Jews here, they were saying, I'm part of the Jewish people. I have circumcision to prove it. I've got the membership card. I'm good. And Paul says, no, you're not. He's saying circumcision has value if you obey the law, but if you break it, it's just as if you haven't been circumcised. In the same way, we could say, yes, you're affiliated with the church, and you go to the church, but if you do not obey the law, it doesn't matter if you go to church. In the sense of making you right with God. Going to church doesn't make you right with God in the same way that circumcision does not make the Jewish people right with God. Then it went on, okay? So so right here, circumcision is a tradition. Now, it's a God-given tradition, but it was a tradition. And, 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 you know, Paul would even say this, hey, I... I am, if, if, if anybody can make it to heaven on their merit, it's me. Man, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I've done every, whenever I was younger, when I was smaller, everything was done correctly. But what we find here for us is tradition doesn't make us right with God. Like the traditions that we have in the church and the way that we do things. and It may be that, hey, my tradition is to come to church every Sunday. My tradition is to read the Bible every Sunday or every day, every morning is to read. My, my, my tradition is to wake up every morning and say the Lord's Prayer. That does not make you right with God the same way the circumcision did not make a Jewish man or woman right with God. So the law, what we find here, Paul says the law, you've been given the law, either written law or law law written on your heart, you've been given that law, but you break that law, so the law doesn't make you right with God. For us, we would use a different word, the rules. The rules don't make you right with God. Man, we, we, we are people of rules, aren't we? I, I don't know, but some of you probably grew up in a tradition where you had lots of rules, and some of the rules weren't even in the, in the Bible. Y'all had, like, extra rules. That's like Pharisees. They do that. Like, like you not just follow the Scriptures. You've got to follow those extra rules. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you dip, you're going to hell, right? You heard that? That's not true, okay? See, if you took me out of context right there, that, that's going to be the one thing that makes it on the Internet. Somebody's going to get that. All right. But somebody might tell you, you dip or smoke, you're going to hell. Where is that in the Bible? It's not in there. You don't even, there's not even, tobacco is not even mentioned. Now, I know some of you are like, but you're talking about the body being a holy temple. I get it, but it's talking about sexual sin, okay? It's not talking about, it's not talking about if you smoke or if you dip. 
If we're going to take it that way, we're all in trouble because you can't drink soda. You can't have fried chicken. Salt's out the door. You got to work out every day. And I see some of y'all, you're like me, you don't want to work out. Okay? And so, so we like to throw these things out there when we're trying to you know, convince somebody else. But, but the thing is, our rules, it's not in there. We make all these rules up, and how many of you grew up in, in this time where people would be like, all right, you got to, now if you're, if you're wearing your best, that's great. I'm glad that you're here. You're doing it for the right reason. It's okay, but you have a rule. You have to, you have to wear your best to church on Sunday. You hear that? What's your best, and who gets to decide that? You know who usually gets to decide that? Whoever made the rule, I guess. And since God didn't make the rule, the person gets to make it. And so the person's best is a tie. And now you're miserable with a tie and a coat on at church, and you hate it. And not to mention, parents, this is part of the reason we do it, so you don't have to fuss and beat your children and put them in dress shoes they don't want to wear because it puts blisters on their feet. And Y'all didn't have that experience growing up? Yeah? Okay. And now, but if you dress all, now, hold on now. But if you dress up like, like on purpose and you're saying, God deserves my best because I'm meeting the king, well, you got the right heart. But if you're doing it for somebody else, you got all wrong. But there's a lot of rules right there in there. We like to follow rules. Here's, here's one of your favorites, all right? You can't watch rated R movies at the movie theater, but you can at home. Y'all had that rule? And Paul's making this. It's not the rules, it's not tradition, it's not affiliation that will make you right with God. Those things will not make you right with God. He's saying there is a law, and that law has been given to everybody, and every one of us have broken that law. Now, he goes further. Romans 2, 28 through 29, he says a person is not a Jew. Now, this is huge. A person is not a Jew. Now, they're sitting there going, I'm Jewish. Hold on. Wait a minute. Because if you're Jewish, you have promises of God. He says that a person is not a Jew if they are a Jew only on the outside. A Jewish person said, you can't make me not a Jew. They would, these people, they would have been so upset. Like their, their whole identity was, was, was defined by the affiliation and the tradition. It sounds a whole lot like us, right? That our whole personality, our whole identity is based on, especially spiritually, the type of church that you attend, the uh, traditions. He's saying this, a person's not a Jew if they are a Jew only on the outside. The circumcision is more than just something that's done to the outside of a man's body. No, a person is a Jew only if they are a Jew on the inside. And true circumcision means that the heart has been circumcised by the Holy Spirit. The person whose heart has been circumcised does more than obey the written law. The praise that matters for that kind of person does not come from other people. It comes from God. And so he's saying, look, if you want access to the promises of God, because this, this is why it's important to be Jewish, okay? This is why it's important. 
because they, they have access to the promises of God. Saying if you want accesses, or access to the promises of God, that access to the promise of God come through, come through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. That, that it doesn't come through your affiliation or your tradition. It comes through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And your outward actions do not give us, or give them, the outward actions do not give us access to the promises of God. So if you do all the right things on the outside, those things don't matter. That the outward, and, and here, look, there's a lot of times that we've been taught that the outward's the only thing that matters. That's the reason you can't go to the movie to watch the rated R movie. You should watch it at home. Because you're worried about what everybody else is looking at and looking for, and you're not worried about what God's looking for. And that's the reason it says here, that praise matters. Uh, uh, that praise that matters for that kind of person does not come from other people. You're not doing it for other people. You're doing it for God and only for God. So your outward actions do not give you access to the promises of God. Just because you have a circumcision in the flesh, he says, the outward, it doesn't give you access to the promises of God. What gives you promises, access to the promises of God is what Jesus did through the Holy Spirit in your life. He says the old must be cut out to give us access to the promises of God. He says the, that, that what has to happen is that your heart has to be circumcised. And so what is the circumcision? It's the cutting away of the flesh. He's saying, I want you to have a change in heart. So much so that your heart is different. And it doesn't long for the things of the world. It doesn't long for selfish things. But it longs for the things of God. That you've got to have a change of heart. In other places in the scriptures it tells us this. That your old stony heart has to be replaced with a heart of flesh. It tells us that, that, that our mind has to be transformed. And so this mind and this heart, whole idea is that the core of a person must be changed Amen. by Jesus and the Holy Spirit through the power of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, that the very core of a person must be changed. Not the behavior. If all we do is change someone's behavior, behavior modification then we failed in teaching the gospel. We failed. Now, now, parents, listen to me. If all we do is teach our children, children to be good, moral children, we have failed and we're ungodly parents. That's hard to say. Because you're like, I want my children to be moral. Yes. I want them to be like, like I want people to think they're good. Yes. But the most important thing is that they're godly. The most important thing is that they allow the Holy Spirit to circumcise their heart and give them a whole new heart, a change. That their core is different. And then all of a sudden it starts to change on the outside. Now I want to tell you something. That means that all of a sudden you have somebody that's really rough that has this new changed heart. And it offends us sometimes because God's working on these people. And we heard this morning just different people come from different cultures and backgrounds, okay? They've learned different things. And there could be someone who, man, they grew up in a culture where they 
cuss in their house all the time and God takes a hold of them and grabs their heart and changes their heart, changes to the very core and God starts to do a work in them and they start to look different. Eventually, they're changing every day, a little at a time. But you're right, but, but, but we as that grew up in the church. We want them to look perfect. We want them to walk the line. But they, they don't know that yet. God's working on them. And so then all of a sudden they share the gospel and then sharing the gospel. They cuss a little bit. And you're like, what are you doing? You can't cuss. And they don't know any better. And all of a sudden we like kick them out or talk about how terrible they are. And the truth about it is, is most of us, we don't share the gospel at all. The core has got to change. And as the core changes, the outward changes. It may not change immediately, but it will change eventually. Because to have contact with the Father, to have contact with Jesus, to have a heart that is circumcised, a person can't stay the same. He comes on and he says, all right, if we need to sum all this up, and here he comes, he's summing it up, almost done. Can you all believe that? Seems short, right? Romans 3, 9 through 20, it tells us this. What should we say then? Do we Jews have any advantage? Paul said, not at all. We have already claimed that Jews and Gentiles are sinners. And everyone is under the power of sin. That we're all lawbreakers. That we've all been given a law and that we are all lawbreakers. And the law doesn't save us, or make us right with God. And now he goes into this Bible study. He starts giving us scripture after scripture after scripture. He tells us it's written, and he tells us it comes out of Psalms and Ecclesiastes. So first, in verse 10, he quotes, and it says, No one is right with God. No one at all. No one understands. No one trusts in God. All of them have turned away. They have all become worthless. No one does anything good. No one at all. And then he continues in 13, he quotes Psalm and he says, Their throats are like open graves with their tongues, they tell lies. The words of their lips are like the poison of a snake. If you don't think that's true, just go on Facebook. Verse 14, their mouths are full of curses and bitterness. He quoted Psalm 10 there. And in 15, he goes further and quotes Isaiah. They run quickly to commit murder. They leave a trail of harmful actions. They do not know how to live in peace. And then 18, he quotes Psalms 36. They don't have any respect for God. So in 19, what the law says, it says to those who are ruled by the law, Its purpose, listen to this, its purpose is to shut every mouth and make the whole world accountable to God. So no one will be considered right with God by obeying the law. Instead, the law makes us more aware of our sin. Law cannot make us right with God. Now look, I want you to see something. You're like, well, why did God give us the law? One, If you are able to live by the law and every aspect of the law, you do everything just right the way that Jesus did because Jesus never broke the law. If you could do that, yes, the law could get you into heaven. But the problem is Scripture has already told us and he's already showed us that Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter that every one of us are lawbreakers. And because we're lawbreakers, the law condemns us. 
the law actually shows us how we are not like God and how unlike God we are. Like, why would God do that? Why would God show us this? Because God wants you to know that you need Him. That's what it says. This is, that's why He says this is part of the good news. That Jesus will judge the secret thoughts of us all. Why is that good news? Because it's the beginning. It's part of that we need Him. Amen. That we're in desperate need. That, that we realize that we can't make things right in ourselves. That we were born enemies of God. And so now we have this wrong condition. And we've got to be reconciled to God. But the law can't do it. Following the law, because we've already broken the law, can't do it. We're lawbreakers. Being part of a group can't do it because we're lawbreakers. Following a bunch of traditions can't make us right with God because we're lawbreakers. Those things can't save us, can't make us right. But what does the law do? The law shows us how we have rebelled against God. It says here, its purpose is to shut every mouth and to make the whole world accountable to God so that no one will, consider, uh, will be considered right with God by obeying the law. Instead, the law makes us more aware of our sin. The law makes us more aware of our need to be made right with God. So the law is put into place there to show us that we have rebelled against God. We have a law written on our heart. And it says things like this, do not steal. And the, the law of God tells us that you're a thief and I'm a thief. We're all a thief. But the law goes on to say why it's wrong. Do you know why it's wrong to steal? It's wrong to steal because God's our provider. And he'll provide every need. And when you steal, you place your faith in something other than God. Amen. You deny his, his power and his love. Scripture says that we love a lie. You know why it's wrong to love a lie? Because our God is truth. Scripture says he cannot lie. It shows us how unlike God we are and how big of a need we have to be made right with Him. And as we read this law, as we, as we understand it more and more, it doesn't matter if, if you have the law or if you don't. It doesn't matter if you follow the traditions of things like circumcision or not. It doesn't matter if you show up to church or if not. What matters is, have you been to a place in your life where you understood that without God, without Jesus Christ, you have no hope? You have no hope. This is part of the good news of God. You have no hope apart from Jesus Christ. Because everyone is under the power of sin. 
And sin, it says, the wages of sin is death. And therefore, we all need to be made right with God. So we all have a law. And that law was broken by us. In fact, we were born enemies of God. We were born hating God and we rebelled against God. But God loves us so much that He says, I don't want you to be separated from me. So He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross to shed His blood and to be resurrected. So that we, watch this, so that we could put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I want you to picture this. My voice is going a little bit. I know that's why I sound strange. I was sick this week. I want you to picture the day of judgment. There's, a, there's really only two things that could happen. One, you stand up before the judge, God. And God judges you according to His law. And He's not going to look to see if you obeyed most of the law. Every law. Every law. The same way if, you know, you break into a store today. You rob them. And the police officer shows up and arrests you. You're not going to have a defense saying, I obeyed most of the laws. Like, I didn't speed getting here. I didn't speed leaving. He's like, that doesn't matter. But, you know, I, I drove on the right side of the road. I, I, I didn't swerve. I didn't. Yeah, but you broke the law. And your defense can't be, but hold on, judge. Hold on, wait a minute. They arrested me. I obeyed almost... Every law, I obeyed all the laws to that point. You're a lawbreaker. And the law has been given to us through the word of God. And he's also given us the law that's written on our heart. And when we stand before God, we will be judged by the law that's written on our heart that he's given us. The law of our conscience or we will be judged by the law that's written in the word. And in both cases, we fail. And in both cases, we will be considered lawbreakers. And I love, it says here, that the law was given. And part of the purpose is so that every mouth will be shut. On that day, if that's you, if that's where you stand before a holy God and you are considered a lawbreaker, you will not object because you will know, standing before a holy God, that you are a lawbreaker. And at that moment, you will know that there is no hope for you. That your only hope was when you were here on this earth and salvation was offered to you and you rejected it. There won't be an objection. Because when we as sinners stand before a holy God, there will be no question. Or the better scenario, the one I love. Because I know I was born an enemy of God. Amen. And I know the scriptures that Paul quoted talk about me. 
liar, mouth full of poison like a viper. Leaving a trail of hurt in my wake as I traveled through life with regrets. Deserving nothing but the punishment and the wrath of God. That in the middle of all that, Jesus says, I see you, lawbreaker, but I love you. And I want to do a work in you, and I want to change you, and I want to change you at your very core. I want to change who you are. And when I stand before a holy God, this is what it says, that I do not have any righteousness. That means right standing. I do not have any right standing before God, but here's what I get. It says, I will put on the very righteousness of Jesus. The righteousness of Christ. And so when I stand before the holy God, he's not going to see me as a lawbreaker. He's going to be, he's going to see me as a son, as a child. He's going to see me in right standing. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And I'm going to be welcomed into a rest. I'm going to be welcomed into a reward. And you're going to hear strange things and weird things because I know who I am. And apart from Jesus, everything that the Bible just said is true about me apart from Jesus. And you're going to hear weird things like, well done, you good and faithful servant. Jesus, God, the faithful one calling me faithful? That blows my mind. It doesn't even make sense to me. Because if I'm anything, I'm not faithful. But Jesus, I was reminded of this last night. God calls us to be something that we can't be on our own. The same way he took Gideon scared to death in the wine press and he said, come mighty warrior. I got a job for you. And the righteousness of Jesus Christ will give me something, a future, an eternity that a lawless one, a desperado, could never have. 